It is a beautiful Monday morning. That's not a good start, is it, John? No, no. Let's say it like this. Try and apply that theory to any other industry in the world. It's a scam. I was betting like 70, 80k. This is the Trademate Sports Betting Podcast, helping you beat the bookmakers. G'day everyone, welcome to episode 136 of the Trademate Sports Betting Podcast, a betting preview of this weekend's Premier League Game Week 5. We're going to go through Tottenham Chelsea, Burnley Arsenal, West Ham Man United and Newcastle versus Leeds. Joining me today, back again, pro gambler Tony Alvarez. How are you, mate? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Just uh, just getting by. I mean, as most people know, I do team new stuff and, and the start of the season has been quite good to me, um, especially with things like Ronaldo coming back, him obviously being a big mm. big market mover. So, yeah, um, I've had a, from an Arsenal point of view, not a great start to the season, but uh, from a betting point of view, it's been pretty good. Yeah, no, good man, good man. All right, quiz question for the week. The first goal, what was the first goal of the 19... 19- 20 Premier League season. It was an own goal, uh, and I want to know who scored it, mate, and we'll get to the answer at the end of the podcast. So I've gone away from Arsenal. I know you know everything Arsenal, so steered away from that this time. We'll see how you go. I thought when you said 1920, you meant the year 1920. I was like, how would anyone know? I was thinking, what is it? Okay. Oh, God. I might, it might get to that stage if you keep getting these quiz questions, mate. You never know. Um, all right, mate, let's kick things off. Tottenham versus Chelsea, probably the game of the round here. You've got Chelsea as favourites, obviously. You can get as high as 1.85. The draws at 3.7. And Tottenham, you can get as high as 5 in places, but mostly... A tick under that. Uh, Tottenham, I mean, it's going to sound like we're just typical Arsenal. I don't know if you share the same belief as me, but it's going to sound bad. But I think Tottenham have been pretty abysmal so far this season, even though they've gotten nine points. Uh, they've created 3.79 XG over four games and 7.11 XG against. So, I mean, if you're a man for underlying data, <clears throat> it's pretty poor. Uh, and even before the red card last week, this is my favourite stat of all time, they managed zero shots on goal in the first half versus Palace. Chelsea, good start to the season, obviously, equal top with Man United, Liverpool and Everton. Haven't been too flash in the underlying metrics either, but I don't know if you would, would agree with me, mate. I would say a lot of their... I guess, lower performances in XG and all those kind of stats would maybe be down to, to game states. They seem to be a team that that once they get 1-0 up, that they kind of shut things up and, and close the shop. Yeah, I mean, on, on Tottenham, I, most well, anyone that's seen me on here before will know I don't really care for underlying data too much, but your my eyes and your eyes match with what the underlying data tells me on, <laughs> on Tottenham. They haven't played well. They've got, I'm not going to say they were lucky every game, but they've got three kind of fortunate wins in 50-50 games. They managed to win them all 1-0. Uh, didn't create much in any of them. And and then, obviously, they got battered last week, really. So the data and, and what my eyes tell me is similar on that. On Chelsea, I completely agree with you. I was at the Arsenal-Chelsea game, and it was 2-0. But I think if someone would have offered them 100 million to make it 5-0, they could have done it, to be honest. And that's coming from an Arsenal fan. Um I've been really impressed with Chelsea every time I've seen them, even against Liverpool, 1-0 up, controlling the game. 
which was the only time they dropped points. They get a man sent off and you'd barely have noticed. I mean, defensively, they looked as solid as you could get. Obviously, Liverpool scored the penalty and then after that, they had about 50 minutes against 10 men and it was an even game. I wouldn't have said Liverpool were a better team against 10 men. I'm, I've been really, really impressed with Chelsea. Um, so this this is one of them occasions for me where the, I, what my eyes tell me and what the underlying data tells me are, are the same thing. Yeah. Thoughts on the odds, mate? I would have... I was actually, um, I was looking at the Asian markets yesterday and most, most of the, the book and the betting exchanges too, most had Chelsea uh, above 1.8, maybe around 1.82-ish, something like that. Are you? I, I personally thought the odds might have been even wider because we're talking about, you know, one of the best teams in the league here, at least in the top three. Uh, and I know Spurs have got the name Spurs and they're a big club but you know they've been they haven't been good this season so will you do you kind of think the odds are where they where they should be or would you say I don't know I thought they would have been maybe a little bit wider maybe Chelsea you know in 1.7 or maybe even lower than that yeah I'm with you I would happily I mean I'm looking at markets now Chelsea are 1.84 and I would happily take them um take them at that I think Tottenham mm-hmm. Son is a big doubt uh Bergwijn and Lucas both went off in today I think I missed the game I know Lucas did and someone else I think it was Bergwijn but I'm not 100% so you've got Bergwijn and Lucas might not be the biggest misses individually if they're out but with some potentially out as well that yeah. that's basically all of their wingers so they're going to have to shift around and play people not and Dombele limped off that's probably just a lack of fitness because he hasn't played but you're asking him to go from limping off on a Thursday to playing against a very good Chelsea team on the weekend potentially which is going to be difficult for him uh, you've got Romero and Lo Celso, who I think are due back in the country on Saturday and they've been doing their own training in uh, Croatia for, instead of quarantining, but they've been on their own for 10 days. Um, no competitive football, really. So you can't see them coming back in. So, I mean, I think even with full squads, I would have probably had Chelsea at this price that they are now with the, the problems Tottenham have. Um Obviously, Tanganga's suspended, so Emerson Royal will almost certainly have to play and he had a a torrid, torrid debut last week um, and, and he's going to be chucked in again. Um, obviously, they rested him today because they knew that. Uh, I'm not sure if Davison Sanchez is back, so their makeshift at centre-back. Dyer is potentially out. He limped off last week. So Tottenham have got like a load of problems and I still mm-hmm. think they're priced as if they didn't have any problems really. So I would happily take Chelsea at 1.84. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more, mate. And it's not like it's a... It's a terrible away game for Chelsea. Is it one, they've got no travel to make? Uh, and two, it's not like Tottenham, you know, it's not like a raucous home crowd there. Um, and the other thing you can factor in too is you've got Europa League games. Oh, they're in the Europa Conference, sorry, Tottenham. So they've got a, what, a three-day turnaround and Chelsea played the day before. So they've got a four-day turnaround. Uh, I'm not sure where, um, I can't remember, where, where were Chelsea and Tottenham playing at home or away in the Euros? No, Tottenham, Tottenham are away in France, so it's not a long trip. Um, but yeah. you're right, they have a day left. Chelsea are at home to Zenit, so there's no travel. Yeah, so I mean, it's, I, I, I would, yeah, I come, I'm with you, mate. I wouldn't be surprised if those odds shortened quite a bit um, and Chelsea closed closer towards 1.7. Um, in terms of how the game will play out, do you think... Spurs will sit back at home and just let Chelsea dictate? I, I don't think they'll have much of a choice. The, the only thing that might... I mean, they would definitely play like that if they was at full strength. 
if they don't have Son and, and Lucas, there's no one to run in behind because that tends to be what they do, sit deep and use Kane sort of drops to a 10 and tries to feed the quick wide players. If they don't have that, I, I still think they'll defend deep, but I'm not really sure how they'll get out. Um, I, th- I think it could just be a role in role of, of uh, Chelsea attacks, to be honest. Um, mm. And I think if they get the ball into Lukaku's feet enough, he will spin someone eventually, or they'll get the ball wide and he will beat someone in the air eventually. Um, I, I mean, I'm not saying this as a as a Tottenham thing because I'm an Arsenal fan. I, I just can't see how they get anything out of this game. Yeah, no, it's very hard to see, but I mean. We might have said we probably would have said the same thing when they were playing Manchester City a couple of weeks ago. But you know, now that we've you know had a decent sample size, four games of watching Tottenham, now it's kind of like you know, it's it's hard to see it's hard to see anything flash coming from them anytime soon. So yeah, it'll be interesting. I was uh, I don't know what you think about it, but it's it seems like it was a I guess a a, a good thing for for all all teams other than Spurs, for them to keep Harry Kane now because he's he's kind of lost a lot of his value now. And also, you know, he's obviously still a terrific player, but it's not like with him in the side, Spurs become anything extraordinary like winning the title or anything like that. So it's probably worked out pretty well for, for all parties. Yeah, I mean, I, I was quite surprised they didn't get rid of him earlier in the window. I understood when it come down to the last week or so because you you do have to try and replace his goals, which is near on impossible, um, mm-hmm. and it was definitely not going to happen with ten days to go. But yeah, I don't. Uh, and and is he going to be as interested and motivated as he was last season, the season before, and the season before that? I mean, like, he's always going to get goals. He's a, he's a top class finisher, and he can score goals in all ways, long shots in the area, left foot, right foot with his head. So he's always going to get goals, but. You just it just seems like he's less interested, and maybe that's their style. Maybe he's not used to how Nuno wants him to operate yet. But mm. I think, I mean, again, it's easy to sit here with not being a Tottenham fan, but I think they probably should have sold him. But from people I know, they didn't really get any offers from him. I don't know if that's true, but I know an agent that works quite closely with Tottenham, and he said they got one offer of a hundred million really early in the window. And Man City never came back with an actual offer um, beyond that. So. They, I, I kind of agree with them for not selling him for 100. All right, we'll see how that all pans out, mate. But we'll move on to the uh, to the mighty Arsenal. They're playing Burnley away at Turf Moor. I'll get the odds up. Uh, sorry. You've got uh, Arsenal tick over evens there. You can get about 208, um, maybe a little bit less than that. The draws at about 3.5 and Burnley... You can get as high as four in a few places there. Burnley, they they sit third currently, only one point picked up in that draw with Leeds. They haven't been playing too badly. They've been a little bit better than their last couple of seasons. But, um, yeah, maybe maybe they've been a little bit unlucky not to pick up a few more points. Arsenal finally nabbed some points last week, mate, against Norwich. I guess the main thing now for them is it's it's almost like a, a new season for them post the international break. They've got a they're fully fit starting eleven and party. You know, you'd think party would start this game, which is just uh, I mean, in my eyes, probably Arsenal's most important player. So maybe start off. Have you watched much Burnley this season, and and any thoughts on on them so far? Uh, so I've watched highlights of all the games and I watched them against Everton the other day um, and they just collapsed. They, they were 1-0 up. Everton got an equaliser and then Burnley fell apart, which is very 
unburnley like mm. um they're, they're again they've not been as bad as they look but then they never are they're they're they do what they do and if it works they get the points and if it doesn't everyone knows about how bad they look <laughs> um obviously Daesh got a new contract today so will that play a factor in the game with fans being onside and, and their, their fans hate anyone from down south so it'd be southern softies let's get at them sort of thing i actually I actually think it's a really hard game to call yeah i mean i i actually thought arsenal might be a little bit shorter than this i just think party is is just so key to arsenal I, like you could just tell as soon as he came on last week it the game the game like i mean the game was already pretty much in arsenal's favor but that they just it, it, I just felt like he flipped flipped the game. It just makes us so much more direct and dominant in midfield, and gives us, you know, gives us options in the middle rather than always spraying it out wide to Tierney. Yeah, well, I mean, Arsenal will shorten. They do pretty much every week anyway. It's uh, I was actually I had a meeting with a guy who's part of a big betting syndicate the other day, and was talking about him saying like Brighton, but there it's obvious why they shorten because they're basically owned by a syndicate. Um. Arsenal and, and then Leeds are very tough on because they swing either way. But Arsenal, it's just, I would love to see the data on it and I've not, but it, within like my betting group, there's, there's just a thing basically, you, no matter what Arsenal do, you don't bet against them because they always shorten. Like, <laughs> I think we were 1.53 uh, against Norwich last week, all leading up to the game the day before whatnot. And then a couple of hours before, we just shortened to 1.47. And at that point, no reason. It wasn't a team sheet thing. It was just, that's what Arsenal do. Like, I don't know if it's punters traditionally thinking as part of the big four or whatever. So uh, they they just back us or they're in loads of accumulators and bookies have to, to deal with that somehow. But uh, I think Arsenal probably will start about evens. That, that's 10 to what happens with Arsenal. You see a price and you slash it a bit. Yeah. How would you how would you go setting up Arsenal this week, mate? Do you think it would be a similar kind of setup to last week or do you think he could potentially go to a back three to kind of counteract those the two forwards that Burnley normally play? Or how do you, yeah, how do you think they might set up? Uh, I think he'll go the same. It depends on Partey's fitness. If, if he is fit, it will either be the same as Norwich, but Partey in for uh, Maitland-Niles. Or mm. the, the it, one issue we have is Chris Wood is obviously very good in the air and Ben White, who I like, is not the best in the air. But mm. Tommy Asu is. So you can see Tommy Asu drifting in to cover him. But then for me, Burnley's best player is Dwight McNeil, who tends to play on the left wing. So if you've got our right back tucking in, you need someone to deal with him. And Pepe's not the greatest defensively. He tries, but he doesn't really know what he's doing. He just puts himself in a position and hopes. Whereas mm. Saka is quite good defensively. So I wouldn't be amazed if he drops Pepe, plays Smith Rowe on the left, uh, Saka on the right. Um, and then obviously brings party in for, for Maitland-Niles. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens, but I'm expecting the same as last week, but party in for, um, for Ainsley. It's, it's an interesting dynamic, isn't it, that White and Tommy Asu thing? Because, I mean, on, I don't know, just, just from looking at them, I would have thought Tommy Asu is more of a, if you're comparing the two together, I would say White's more of a right back than Tommy Asu is. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that and whether maybe going forward they might just swap positions. No, I, I don't. I don't really see it like that. I mean, Tommy Asu is better aerially, um, but White's better progressing the ball. Um, he, he's actually defend. He reads the game so well, and it was funny. I cause obviously I do an Arsenal podcast, and I said after the Brentford game that everyone was slating White, but the amount of times he got us out of trouble just because he read the situation. 
Mm. And then uh, obviously his first game for because then he got COVID. So then his first game at home for us was Norwich. And uh, loads of people that listened to my podcast like messaged me after and they said they didn't really understand what I meant at the Brentford game because they'd watched it on TV and you don't really see that stuff. But having seen him live, they was like, we understand exactly what you mean. He just covers all the time. His defensive brain is very, very good. Um, and also Tommy Asu's got a better engine to get up and down, which is what we need from our right back. So I mean, it's, there is skills that Tommy Asu has that you wish White had, but um, I, I don't. I think White is suited to being a, being a centre back more. Yeah. Okay. Um, betting wise, mate, anything that that interests you here? I know you said you were finding it hard to analyze the betting market here, but I mean, Arsenal—they've <clears throat> never really played that well against a, a low block, so. Uh, I don't know if you think Burnley will employ that for this game, but um, yeah, do you see any any bets here at all, mate? Well, the only thing, and uh, I'd, I'd need you to drag the uh, odds up for me because the market's not formed on markets properly. And but it would be—it's not something I would do personally. But if someone asked me, or if I had a free bet that I had to use, uh, just thinking historically, um, the only time in about the last six years, off the top of my head, that there's been an over two point five Arsenal Burnley at Turf Moor. Was a, was a dead rubber at the end of the season. We won 3-1, but it was literally last game of the season. We had already come fifth. They'd, they were doing nothing, um, and we won 3-1. But beyond that, every meaningful game, so last year was 1-1, the year before that was 0-0, and then we had a couple that we had 3-1, and then we had three 1-0 wins in a row, I think it was. Um, so that's at least six years, and that's just off the top of my head. I, I don't know what happened before that. Um, so I don't know what the odds on under 2.5 are, um, as I said, the market's not formed fully on on uh, on markets, but that's if I had a free bet that I had to use, I'd probably be looking at that. As long as I think the odds would probably be about one point nine. No, one point eight three, mate. Yeah, so oh, so that's that's what it is on markets, but then there's a gap at, to one point nine two to lane. So would I take it at one point eight three? We're not scoring a lot. They're not scoring a lot in the league. They obviously scored one against Leeds, one against Everton. I can't remember their other game. There were two games. Um, 1.83 I think if you can get sort of between 1.85 and 1.9 it's probably yeah. it's probably a half decent bet but as I said it's not something I'd do myself yeah no I agree I mean it's most likely going to go under 2.5 but yeah 1.83 maybe that's where the market sits and I think yeah those odds look pretty efficient at 1.83 but we'll see what happens mate um, all right should we move across to uh, West Ham and Manchester United? Manchester United at 1.8. Uh, you can get the draw at about 4 and West Ham as high as 4.6. The big news out of this one is Antonio out, which is a loss for the for the Hammers. He's got that red card. I'm not sure if, how long he's suspended for, but he's definitely out for this game. They're also they've also just played their opening game, the Europa League in Zagreb. So it'll be interesting to see how much travel starts to affect them. I mean, it's probably been a very long time since West Ham have had mid, uh, midweek Europe games. So be interesting to see how it starts to affect a side like them. Manchester United, everything was going very smoothly, mate. The introduction of Ronaldo was all beautiful times at Old Trafford. And then they lost to the young boys in midweek. So, I mean, they were a man down for the majority of the game, but still it halts a little bit of the, I guess, the glitter around Manchester United in the last couple of weeks. So, um, yeah. What did you have any thoughts on the on the United loss, mate? 
Um, I mean, going going away and playing on a plastic pitch is never easy anyway, and they they look pretty in control until the sending off, and then they, they he got it wrong. He got it completely wrong, and I know a lot of United fans that, I mean, he's, they're not Ollie out, but they're not the biggest fans of his, or even the ones that were, were, were saying that like they're not Ollie out, but there's no way you can praise what what he done. His subs were terrible. He tried to change shape and just left them to have the ball the whole game, basically. Um, even I think even at 1-0 up, when they went down to 10 men, he was basically playing for a 1-1. And then it went 1-1 and he didn't do anything about it. And then they lost. Um, obviously, it was a horrendous mistake for the second goal. But I, I think, I mean, personally, I don't rate Oli. I think good players get him out of trouble a lot of the time um, because they have got good players and you'd be silly to, to argue against that. Um, but I, I don't know if it would have dented them too much in terms of confidence and whatnot. But you're right, it does take some some... The fanfare was around them is maybe slightly reduced. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't he? He just seems like a coach that um, yeah doesn't possess too much tactical now. He kind of just plays happy family. Seems like a lovely guy. Gets along well with the players. Just puts the best players on the pitch and says, "Work it out for yourselves." Um, which I mean, it's not the it's not the worst strategy in the world. I mean, it's gotten them to a certain point now where they're pretty comfortably in the top four, but. In terms of going to the next level and winning the league, they might need might need someone else. Do you think? Yeah, that, that's exactly what I think. But obviously, he's a club legend to them, and their fans don't really want to hear that. And it'll be interesting if the board have the cojones to do that. <laughs> yeah, it'll be it'll be very interesting. Um, up against West Ham, mate. How do you think the the loss of Antonio affects them? Like, to, how do you, do you think they'll have to change much of the way they play? I think it's huge. I think they have to change completely how they play. Because, I mean, Antonio, who has always been seen as like not the best footballer, but he's very quick, very strong. And so they can just hit channels and they know that he'll run and chase it down and get there more times than not. If they play it into him, he can hold it up because he's so strong. And and recently he has improved his actual football ability and his, his hold-up play and his finishing, which was always an issue. It was always one of them. If he got five chances, he probably wouldn't score. Now he's he's looking like a proper striker. Um, obviously, people are forgetting that he wasn't a striker even two years ago. He was a winger, and before that, he played it right back because of his physical attributes. So um, I, I think it's huge. I mean, I don't know who comes in up front. Probably Bowen, who's not really a striker. Um, not as quick, not as strong, not can't hold the ball up, won't chase it into channels. I I can I can understand like if West Ham make. Man United work from set pieces with the likes of Suchek and and, and whatnot, but I, I can't see how West Ham really make a dent without Antonio. But I will caveat with saying that West Ham obviously had a great season last year, and every week he was just sort of waiting. Oh, they'll they'll return to normal soon and, and go back to being bad. And I don't think a lot of people, including myself, have really got out of that. Like I'm, you still half think, oh, they'll go back to being West Ham soon, mm. and. I, they're, they're a team I, I tend to avoid uh, when I'm looking at betting because in my head they're not they're, they're the West Ham they're, they're West Ham not the current team that are doing really well in the last year or so so what I would say is going to happen is, is coming from a place of probably an unbalanced head yeah okay um, yeah anything betting wise then mate or you're a bit too uh, you're worried you're going to no, be I, I, think, I think United are I think United are big at 1.84, to be honest. Yeah. Um, without Antonio. 
Um, but as I said, I don't know if that's coming from me thinking of our little old West Ham that turn up and lose to everyone. But I, as I said, I just can't see how West Ham score apart from set pieces. And I mean, I have this thing with Ronaldo. If you're playing against Ronaldo, you're basically one 0 down from the start. So then, then you're looking at West Ham basically trying to grab a draw. They need one to draw or or two to win. I just I can't see where it come, where they come from. They have looked mm-hmm. solid at the back this season. But I think if you get a goal early against them and they have to open up, then they obviously won't be as solid at the back. I mean, Palace went to to West Ham's place and scored two, and it was a pretty even game from what I remember. Um, so, yeah, for me, I think United are big at 1.84. Yeah, no, I was thinking the exact same thing, mate. And uh, I, I, I don't mind West Ham, but I just know how much, uh, yeah, the Antonio, the loss, I think it's, yeah, I think it's huge. I mean, I just saw here that they <clears throat> they beat Zagreb 2-0. So I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know what kind of system they went with and whether it worked. But they, this is another case similar to the, the Chelsea game we talked about earlier where you've got a four-day turnaround for Man United and a three-day t- – actually, is it – Five-day. Yeah, no, Man United five got day. a five-day. Yeah, yeah, five-day. And then you've got – uh, Zagreb have got, uh, sorry, West Ham have got a three-day turnaround. So um, clear advantage there to United, even though um, even though they do have to travel down from from Manchester. Uh, they've got to come all the way from Croatia, which is like a, what, a three, four-hour flight or something like that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, United are closer to, to West Ham and West Ham. <laughs> yeah, well said, mate. Um, yeah, I agree. I think it's similar to the Chelsea game. Could uh, I think they both should close below 1.8, but we will... We will see, mate. Our last game. You know what's funny? As we've been saying, this someone's just tried to lay uh, Man United at one point eight four for uh, one thousand two hundred. So someone mm-hmm. on the someone on the exchange completely disagrees with us. <laughs> Hopefully, mate. Hopefully, let's go and uh, we'll go and take it. Um, Newcastle Leeds game you wanted to to go through today, mate. Haven't written down anything for this, but. Um... Uh, yeah, maybe I'll just throw it over to you and tell me what you want to say. Oh, I'll get the odds up for you. Uh, Leeds, 2.25, 2.3, Newcastle uh, at 3.1, and the draw, 3.75, you can get in a few places. Yeah, um, to be honest, I when I was looking at like, the prices for the other games, I, I noticed this, and Leads of prices are always swinging anyway. As I said earlier, they, they move in, they move big in one direction or the other for, for seemingly no reason ever. But mm. Newcastle have, have not been great at the start of the season. They all hate the manager. The fans hate the manager. They're at home. So if they go 1-0 down, it's basically game over because the fans will be on their back so much. They're also about Wilson, who's really the only guy who scores goals for them. Um, the, the next argument to that is, oh, no, we look chipped in with goals towards the end of the season and got, what, six in a row or seven in a row. But I think he's touch and go for the game, could be out. Shelby, who pulls strings for them a lot of the time, is, is touch and go, could be out. Uh, Woodman's been playing in goal, who's only ever played in the championship until this season, and he's looked very shaky. I'd argue both of Ronaldo's goals were his fault last week. Um, and their, their other, Cole Darlow's the other keeper, uh, was out with COVID and he's sort of 50-50 whether he'd be back. So there's just decisions to be made everywhere. And looking at Leeds at 2.36, I think they look really big. They've not been the most impressive this season. Um, they've not looked so far as good as they did last season. They obviously got battered by Man United. Um, but, and then they lost quite comfortably to Liverpool last week. But I, I don't think Newcastle really have a home advantage in this, being at home because of the, the, how much their, their fans hate Steve Bruce and everything he says and does, they moan about. 
whether that's right or wrong is not for me to say because I'm not a Newcastle fan. But I, I think Leeds at 2.36 on the exchange look look very, very big to me. Bamford was sort of seen as a doubt, but he fully trained today. And I think Bielsa, who's the, usually the most honest man in football, said today that there's no problem with him. Bielsa often names his team two days before and it is actually the team he names. So mm-hmm. if he says he's right and there was clips of him training, you can pretty much take that as his fit. Um there's been no there's no injuries or anything to Rafinha, who is probably Leeds star man. I think they've got a couple of problems at the back with obviously the suspension. Uh, Pat Strauch for the Harvey Elliott tackle shouldn't have been suspended by years. Um, so I think they've got one or two issues at the back, but I just think Newcastle have a lot more issues and, and Leeds price is really big for me. Yeah, it's, it's funny how they work out all the suspensions, mate. I mean, you look at <clears throat> Tarkowski, that challenge he did on uh, Richarlison didn't get a yellow card. I don't even think he got a free kick, did he? Yeah, free kick, no. And that was, of, I mean, in my <laughs> opinion, much worse than the, what's his name, the Leeds guy, the challenge he Strong, on, I think. Yeah, on uh, on Harvey Elliott. I, I think I think it's so stupid when people get cards or they're just they're suspended based off how badly they injured someone. Like I think it should just always be off intent and what actually happened like injuries is is variance like whether it's someone's going to get injured or not from a tackle like you could accidentally trip someone and they break their leg you know what i mean so yeah i think that's uh, that's the thing is the ref wasn't even going to give a free kick and this is where the fa reports a joke um because he wasn't going to give a free kick saw the extent of the injury sent him off var didn't overrule and this happened a couple of years ago with son and, and the fa saw sense and and didn't ban him uh, they rescinded the the, the, the red card but they, they stuck with the, the ref this time because he said he saw it clear. But he obviously didn't because he wasn't even going to give a free kick. And Harvey Elliott himself coming out and said it wasn't a red card. And he said that before they said they're going to keep up, keep the ban. And then after they said, no, we are keeping the ban, he said again it wasn't a red card. Like, yeah. footballers know football. And every single player looks at that and knows that it, it wasn't a malicious tackle. It's a hook tackle. They happen a hundred times a game. But the injuries come and the refs, I mean, you can maybe understand why the refs got spooked, but that's what VAR's there for, to kind of try and take the emotion out of it. And for me, it's, I don't think the ref should have given a red card, but I can half understand it because he's got a guy lying in front of him with his leg hanging off. But then VAR should be taking the emotion out of that and saying, I've watched it again. And you're probably right to not give a foul in the first place. Yeah, it just smells of... I guess people just getting in uproar and getting angry about the fact that he's not sent off because he's just ruined some guy's leg. Like that's all that it, it, it almost feels like they're just they're just doing that to to steer away from the controversy, not actually thinking with logic. And then yeah, I well, mean, that's why I, the main DFA didn't overturn it because they've had before they've made their decision. The guy whose ankle was broke has said it isn't a red card, so that gives them an easy get out, like because mm. they could go. He said it wasn't, but they're so all they care about is protecting the ref. So they don't they don't want to do yeah. it because then they basically admitting their ref was wrong. So then yeah. they just won't they won't rescind red cards unless it's like something ridiculous, because it basically says our refs are shit. But we know they're shit. Yeah, I mean, how good would it be if they came out like after the Tarkowski challenge and they're like, yeah, you're suspended for a week because that was just a terrible tackle and the ref got it wrong. But like you said, they would just never do that because it would ruin the referee well, and, and VAR as well because they yeah 
because VAR's like not turned the decision itself, they then they're basically saying not only was the ref on the pitch wrong, VAR was wrong, and that's what they really want to avoid. Yeah, now I can almost guarantee that if it was Granite Shaka making that tackle and not Tarkowski, Granite Shaka would be gone for the rest of the season through suspension and got a red card. <laughs> Oh, classic. All right. Um, best bet of the weekend, mate, out of all the games we went through today. I know you're not a pretty much better, but if you had to take one of them, what would you do? Uh, Chelsea. All right. Nice. Uh, oh, there's a point of difference. I'll go Manchester United at whatever or highest odds you can get right now. I think I'd take anything over 1.8. Um, and I guess you're the same with Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, just I was going to just put money on Chelsea now, but um, I don't want to tie up because it's a Sunday game. I don't want to tie up banks that I could potentially use for team news tomorrow. Um, yeah. Not tomorrow, uh, Saturday. But otherwise, I, I would I would be putting money on Chelsea now at that price, to be honest. At 1.84 especially, but yeah, I'll take them anything over 1.8. Yeah. Happy days. We may put them in a little accumulator. I think both of those will probably close below 1.8, so maybe a little accumulator for all you, uh, all you punters out there. Uh, you can find... Uh, you can find Tony. Oh, I haven't even written down your, your Twitter handle here, mate. I've forgotten. But I guess you more importantly, uh, I, I noticed you got a little revamp on the YouTube channel, mate. Yeah, to be honest, it wasn't me. Um, so I don't know what the YouTube channel is <laughs> called anymore. Uh, uh, so I never started the YouTube channel. It was my friend. And then he wanted to drive. He had this like bucket list thing of getting a 1,000 subscribers. And I said to him, oh, just doing it like the betting space. People are interested in it. So do an interview with me if you want. And he did. And then it, from then it became a betting channel and it was never really meant to be. Um, and then I think because I wasn't really doing anything on it, he, uh, he revamped it. And I, I don't even know what it's called. I, I, might, I will still chuck videos on there from time to time, but I, I don't even know what my YouTube channel is called anymore, to be honest. <laughs> Oh, that's gold. Gold. All right, we'll go to the quiz question then, mate. Uh, the first goal of the 2019-2020 Premier League season was an own goal. Who scored it, mate? Uh, so Norwich lost to Liverpool. I think it was 4-1 uh, at Anfield. I yeah. think it was Grant Hanley. Ah, you're bloody good, aren't you, mate? You're bloody good. Yeah, well done. I was trying to uh, – I knew it was – I'll admit I actually did a ride in this one. I got a, I knew it was Norwich, Norwich Liverpool, which I was happy enough with, but I had no idea who scored the own goal. Absolutely no, no idea. Like you would have known, obviously when we done this, like the quiz question before, I get really confused with years. And uh, luckily, my laptop's got the date in the corner because I was thinking that was last season. I was like, no, we played first against Fulham and yeah. we won three 0 and Lacazette scored first. And then I look because only because I looked at the date on my computer, I was like, oh no, that wasn't last year. It was the year before. I mean, the question you're asking was a year before, so yeah, yeah I remember four-one, and it was actually it was a lot closer than four-one. Norwich had a lot of chances. Yeah, I remember running the media coming out after that and saying how how good Norwich looked, and then after that, it was it was all downhill for them. So yeah, I was actually watching a, I was watching a Norwich game a couple of weeks ago, or it might have been the highlights of the Arsenal game, and they said, "Oh, oh no, do you know what it was? It was Norwich Liverpool, the first game of this season, uh, as in their first game, not the first game of the whole season." And they, they kept the commentators, must have said 300 times, Hanley, who was unfortunate enough to score a goal in their first game back at Anfield. So the question yeah, was kind of answered for me a few weeks ago. Yeah, sorry, mate. I got this one off, uh, I think it was like the Guardian's quiz or something like that. So it's probably the same commentators that wrote the quiz question. 
So uh, there you go. <laughs> anyway, thanks everyone for listening. Thanks for joining again, mate. Good fun as always. Please do a quick rate and review of the podcast and subscribe to us wherever you listen. Subscribe on YouTube, like the video, do all the fun stuff. And uh, if you're looking to implement some of the strategies we talked about today, uh, more so the value betting ones, start a free week, free week trial of Trademates Sports and start your value betting journey. Cheers again, mate, and uh, catch you soon.